another episode. I'm here with a special guest, and he has a very unique story. He's doing great things in the community, and I want to I want to let you introduce yourself. So, what is your name, and what do you do? Absolutely appreciate you. Uh, I want to pay homage, of course, to the organization as well as uh, yourself and, and your your peers for uh, allowing me to be on the show today. So thank you. Um, my name is Lee Anthony Freeman. I'm the executive director and founder of an organization called Yale Academy, uh, which stands for Youth Acquiring Leadership and Excellence Academy. So we implement diversionary programming uh, throughout the community. Okay. Yes, sir. Like, um, can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Um, your education history and maybe some of the troubles you've had coming along the ranks. Yeah, for sure. So, um, like you stated, right, very unique story. Um, originally from Buffalo, New York, the east side of Buffalo. Um, and I was, I, th- I think, a, a troublesome child, right? Or, you know, that has a negative connotation. I, I was want to say lost more so than anything, right? I was lost and um, trying to find my way. So, uh, I think the spiral occurred when I was at when I was 14 years of age initially, right? Um, my I was raised by a single mother. My mother was done a phenomenal job um, to the best of her abilities, right? And her and my father were separated. And every other weekend, my father used to get me and um, he'd take me to one of his lady houses or whatever like that, and I play over there. But unfortunately. It was a normalcy, right? I didn't think too much of it. But this is the weekend my father gets me. I'm going to go see, you know, uh, Mitt's such and such son in play, right? Um, Then at 14, he remarried and moved to Rochester. And so although they was already separated, I think it was a heightened sense of abandonment at that point, right? Um, And that's when, you know, life occurred. And then the the, the poor decisions was just at an all-time high. Um, and so my mother kicked me out each year of my high school career, freshman year. Um, she kicked me out. She had me go move with him and his wife and, and kids to Rochester. Um, but it was just, it was too much mayhem. It's just always been me and my mother. And so I begged, I'm like, yo, mom, please, please let me come back. This, <laughs> this is way too much. They argue it every day. They fight. I can't, I can't handle it. So she let me come back. And then, um, sophomore year, she kicked me out again. And, uh, by that time they was living in Delaware and um, the the state of Delaware, rather, he, his job transferred him, okay. and um, yeah, I was just uh, at that point, I was the pinnacle of a of a stepchild, right? You know that, that I forgot what story that was, where I think it was um, it was young woman, and you know she had her sisters, and she was was it Cinderella? I don't know, maybe Cinderella. Yeah, uh, but nonetheless, right? I was I was the stepchild. I was the one that was going without. Um, and I don't know if it was intentional or not. I think my father was trying to do the best of his ability, but circumstances now being an adult, right, um, and understanding the story a little bit more and what was happening on his end. Unfortunately, I was, I was, I was, you know, the casualty in the in the mix, and so, um, you know, start breaking into houses, selling things that I handled, business selling, every you know, criminal activities heightened at that point, and um, again, the acting out. Right. Yeah. And eventually I ended up in a mental institution. They claimed I had an anger problem, which for me, I didn't think that uh, was just cause to put me in a mental institution. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I looking back on it, I must say I wasn't in my right mind uh, for some of my actions that I was doing. Right. Very careless for sure. And um, my, my father and I got into a, a, a very heated fight, physical fight. Um, and he choked me out, right? And, and you know, and by that time, uh, I was begging to to go back to Buffalo uh, and um, be with my mother and them. So I didn't leave at that initial point. Um, eventually, my stepmother and my my brother and I we got into some more trouble. My stepmother decided to kick us out. Uh, then she woke up the next day and was like, "Well, I changed my mind, right?" But at that point, I don't want to stay nowhere I'm not wanted, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so um, I, I go back to Buffalo and. Um, I, by that point in my life, I had a very uh, bad weed addiction, right? And so my father's a recovering addict, and um, addiction is hereditary, right? Um, for those that don't know, no matter what the drug is, you know, a drug is a drug is a drug, as we say in Narcotics Anonymous. And so um, I was familiar with NA, Narcotics Anonymous, again, because my father's a drug addict. So I was going, you know, I was around it, around the rooms since the age of three. And so uh, 17 turned to 18, um, uh, by that time, I dropped out of high school. I was like, you know, this isn't for me. 
necessarily. I feel as though I was kind of behind. And um, based off, again, like I said, they put me in the institution for a little bit. I wasn't even going to school for real. And then being transitioned from house to house, you know, that takes time away from you getting enrolled to a new school, et cetera. So I was just like, you know, school isn't it. And uh, I got my GED. Not that I was dumb. I think I just, in my mind, I thought I had better places to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had an alternative focus. Too. Yeah, yeah. And, and believe me, it was not better places to be. So, <laughs> yeah. so, when, when did you get your GED? Like, what age was it? Uh, 18. So, okay. I literally, I, dro- I think I dropped out the that January or so when I, by the time I came back to Buffalo. And they, I, I would have got it then, right? I was never been a dummy. I just wanted to do other things. And so... The school said I can't get my GED until my class graduates, which is 09. And so um, that that August, I, I went ahead down to EOC. I didn't take a, you know, they have classes. I didn't take any classes. I just took the test. I passed the test on the first time. And, um, yeah, that was, I think, uh, a pivotal moment in my life as well, right, and completion, I think. But, yeah, then the journey continued and um, started at ECC, yeah. right, Um and then I transferred down to Miami, uh, Miami, uh, Barry University. Oh, what did you um, study at ECC? I started in psychology, and then I transferred to business. Yeah, 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 yeah. I started. And then you went down to Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, went down to Miami, but this was after like my second semester or so, or oh. second year. So I transferred to Miami. Ended up going to, going to jail down there and getting kicked out of school for something else. So I transferred back to Buffalo, ECC where I completed uh, my education at ECC. But in the midst of all that, right, um, I, I can't, when I came back from Miami, um, I, I got involved into a phenomenal nonprofit that, again, what at this point I understand that sometimes, although you may not be ready for a thing, you know, God has other plans and people pull you in a direction that they see for you to be fitting, right? Because um, there's been many occasions in my life where I didn't feel as though I was suited um, but other people believed otherwise, right? Yeah. And so um, I was involved in a nonprofit. They believed I should have been a lead mentor. I was on probation, so I thought otherwise. Ain't no way I'm a mentor anybody, and I'm literally on probation. Is that the United Fellow? Oh, Which not well, not yet. So mm-hmm. that was a uh, uh, teens in progress. Miss Paul, progress. yeah, Miss Paulette was. She was a phenomenal. She is a phenomenal woman, and her husband, um, uh, Mr. Chapman, right? Um, they was, you know, they was great onto me. Again, I don't know what they seen to me, but they kept positioning me to win, yeah. right? And so it was this um, council members meeting, and uh, at the council member meeting, and uh, here, you know, at City Hall, she's like, "All right, I need you to speak on behalf of the youth." I'm like, "Miss Paulette, I have nothing, you know. I think I, again, not yeah. suited. I'm not prepared. What are you talking about?" She's like, "You got it." So. I spoke. I don't remember what I said. I just know I have always been very passionate, right? And so I guess it came out kind of abrasive and aggressive. And, you know, um, passion is, like, is the term I want to use today. But at the end of that council member meeting, I met a phenomenal young man named um, Paul. And uh, Paul came up to me at the end of that. He was like, hey, I think you need to apply for this internship. It's in City Hall. Here we go again. People thinking I'm somewhere that I'm, right? City Hall, man, you know, I'm on probation. I'm still doing whatever I'm doing out here. I'm not necessarily qualified in my mind, so I thought, right? Um, but I, I I do have always believed that everything happens for a reason, and so I shot my shot. And um, in, the, in the midst of that, there was a phenomenal man uh, named Jamel Cruz, right, that was in, interviewing me. And um, although he was giving me a shot, Jamel was like, yeah, you're not ready this time. And... Um, I was like, man, what you mean? Like, what you mean I'm not ready? You know, I'm ready. But he was like, nah, try again, right? You're a little rough around the edges, right? And so the next year uh, I applied and um, I got the internship, right? And, um, again, now th- all throughout this 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 time and throughout my life and matriculation, right, um, I have just God been placing people in my life, right, to either pull me or for me to either witness, yeah. you know, Um at this point, Jamel done went on to do phenomenal things, right? But as I, t- I tell him all the time, I always pay homage, right? Because that moment, again, another pivotal moment, right? Being uh, denied but also having a young black man that was there, right, in the position to do so. I think that was that granted emphasis, right, and exposure to something else that I wasn't necessarily privileged to, right? Here we are, black man in City Hall telling you you can't have this. Where, again, I'm from the east side of Buffalo, right? I never even phantom of be- being in that position, but here this young man is, you know, on the other side of that table. Um, so that, again, was a 
pivotal moment. That was the Urban Fellows, that summer that summer internship. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was it like? You know, you felt like you didn't deserve a certain position or deserve to to be in a certain space. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where did that kind of develop? Was it the trouble during school? Was mm-hmm. it um, kind of your upbringing? Yeah, I, I think so. I think all of it plays a part, mm-hmm. right? Um, lack of self worth, right? Um, like I said, that abandonment definitely played a part. So it's like. You know, I know that whole cliche, well, if my daddy or mommy don't want me, nobody wants me, right? Um, which I think was, you know, was uh, applied to, to some extent, right? Um, and then always seeking validation, right? You know, I don't know what your or anybody else's belief is, right? But um, God chooses, from my belief, right, my theory is that God chooses certain people and you will never be able to fit in, right, no matter how hard you try. And it was me trying too hard to be somebody that I wasn't yeah. based on my, my environment, right? And, um, yeah, so it was like I don't fit in there. I don't fit in here. But I'm, you know, so, again, never being worthy to even fit in a, a space. And so, um, yeah, and then again, then I just always somewhat being a loner based on my my path, right? I was never in a space long enough to really um, – make solid relationships, you know. Um, I think I have, I was telling somebody this recently, right, since uh, I've been in Atlanta possibly the last six years or so, give or take, and um, I entered Atlanta at the age of 25. From 14 to 25, right, has been instability all through my life for like for a decade. So for the last six years has been the most stable I've been. And even with that, while I was out through Atlanta, I probably done moved six times, you know, six or so times. And so um, – Right, so it all again, whether it's the self worth, whether it's life experiences or so, um, I can't necessarily pinpoint that, uh, but I know it, it it doesn't take a lot of work for me to, for me to you know gather the confidence and the worthiness yeah. that sits before you today. So, like, would you tell us about the Urban Fellowship? Mm-hmm. Right, what what was your involvement with that? I know you partnered with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the Urban Fellows was phenomenal, right? Um, that was my introduction into to politics. Um, city government for sure, and so I started off in the citizen service department, um, where again phenomenal individuals. Uh, Miss Geraria, uh, executive director Geraria, right? E for all, shout out her. She was my, I want to say my supervisor, right? But uh, <laughs> so she was my supervisor, and um, again she was now. I just got to pay homage to everybody because again everybody has been very paramount, right? She was still in school. Um, still doing her, her thing at, at City Hall and like not missing a beat, right? And all those, and I think you know this that philosophy of um, uh, what is it? Pull as you climb, right? And okay. and that was the epitome of who she was, right? As she's climbing, here she is pulling me up, and those that came behind me and with me, right? Um, so shout out to her. Uh, but yeah, so then at the end of that um, internship, I met a phenomenal individual named uh, Rasheed McDuffie, and so via something else that I was doing in the community. And um, by the end of my internship, I had the opportunity to go intern with him in the city law department. Uh, and so I, I, and that was, again, my pathway into there and just remaining around solid individuals and people, again, always seeing something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself. What did you say by that time you finished ECC? So no. So at that point, uh, I was still going to ECC. I was still going to ECC uh, at that point, and um, so I would go to ECC. I want to say in the day, um, go to the gym between, because then I think I had to be at City Hall. I don't remember, maybe three or so or something like that. So then I go to City Hall from like three to five, or you know, I don't remember what the times were. But then I go to City Hall um, after that time, and so upon my graduation. Rasheed was like, hey, you need to continue your education. And now, number one, I'm a first-generation uh, college student. And so with that, my truly my only passion and goal and objective was just to walk across the stage. And so I was, sadly to say, I was content with my degree from ECC, right, because I accomplished my goal. I walked across the stage. So going further was never even a thought in my mind. Yeah. And um, he was like, hey, I think you need to try. I'm like, eh, Rashid, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm good. I'm good what I'm doing around the yeah. city, you know, good, better, and different. I'm kind of good in it. And then uh, uh, I just kept bumping my head. I just kept bumping my head. And I, I don't, 
it was just scenario after scenario after scenario where it was just seeming as though things were getting worse, right? I was getting more trouble, more consistent trouble. Yeah. Um, and so I applied. I, I took another shot. I applied to six HBCUs, not even really truly familiar understanding of what the depth of what that meant or what those were. Morehouse was not my first choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my naivety, my immaturity, I don't even want to be at an all-male school, right? And so um, uh, my first choice was actually uh, Howard. They rejected me. I couldn't believe it. I think, well, you went to Howard, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so some some people, phenomenal people went to Howard, and uh, I wanted to go to Howard, and they rejected me. But Morehouse was, like I said, a, a second choice. And um, upon they, you know, in the midst of that rejection, I ended up doing some research and finding a little bit more about them. And I have always, I have always aspired to, and functioned from the premise of who I aspired to be, rather. Yeah. Right? And so from what I believe that the institution stood on and stood for and what they represented, I was like, oh, that's what I want, right? Like, I, I want to have better character. I want to have integrity, right? I want to be honorable. And, again, because this is the representation of the institution. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I need to be in that space to aid me and to be, become the man who I envision myself to be. And so – um Man, I remember like it was yesterday, honestly. And so I was I was spending I go to City Hall, right? And give my regular, like I just told you, ECC, gym, City Hall. And then after that, I go back to the library because I didn't have a laptop at ECC. And I would spend hours on it. I did it for two weeks straight working on my interest essay. And um my interest essay was called One Chance. And, you know, upon me submitting it, you know, finally f- finishing that, I'm calling up to Morehouse every couple of days. And I remember one day I called and the administrator, like, Lee Anthony, I'm like, oh, you know who I am? He's like, yeah, man, I recognize your voice now. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and consistency, uh, yeah. consistency is key, you know. And at this point, it, it, you know, it has its pros and its cons. Uh, I was talking to somebody about it recently. But, uh, yeah, and so, um, I, and um, believe, believe it or not, I actually, you know, again, we talk about self-worth. I didn't have the GPA for Morehouse, right? And so. I can't credit that nothing but God. I had a two point four when I graduated ECC, and um, I remember seeing the 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 email come in on my phone, and I'm like, oh my God! I was at the I was at the house at the time. I, I was at the house like I ran out the house, and um, I'm crying right. And I jump in my car for so whatever reason I jump in my car, and, and my dog is there with me, and now I'm in a corner, balled up on the floor, crying like, oh my God! I can't believe I got in because it was like a dream. Right, I, it was such. I was just such disbelief because I never even seen it for myself. Yeah. Right, like a lot of things which I would accomplished from from that point on, I haven't even envisioned for myself. Right, and so a lot of things has just truly been a blessing and a miracle because it's like, yo, how? Like, how did I? Yeah. And again, <laughs> giving you a little bit of content, not going into too much depth of where I came from. It's like how, yeah. you know? So, um, man, it was it was just it was just a blessing and. Um, a blessing that I don't regret for sure has been the most transformative uh, accomplishment in my life, I truly believe. And uh, and really what enabled that or solidified that decision, and, you know, this is a story that I, I tell in all my interviews because it's, it's really true. Um, the day before I left to Morehouse, right, uh, I was at Rite Aid, or excuse me, no, it's not Rite Aid, it's the, the pharmacy over there on Kensington and, uh, Kensington and Eggert. Right there, or Kins- is that Bailey? Or no, yeah, Kensington and Eggert. And, um, you know, the little plaza, the Family Dollar Plaza, right? And so I'm, I'm walking in there, and I come out. My man is driving my car. I get in the passenger seat, and um, we sit in there for a little bit too long, right? And I'm like, man, what you doing? Drive the car. And uh, he like, um, he like, we blocked in. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? Drive the car. And I look behind us, and we blocked in. I'm like, oh, snaps. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what I say. Oh. <laughs> right. And so uh, at the time, I had a, a, a pretty recognizable car. And so somebody come to the window and was like, um, you Lee Anthony? And I look up. I look at him. I look up. And I'm like, I just was froze again in disbelief. Like, how, how are we here? And somehow he got us out of there. He did a little swerve or whatever like that got us out of there and um we was like on a little 10 to 15 minute chase right on this rest we got on the 33 and 
you know, and got up out of there somehow. But um, that was the day before I left to go to Morehouse. And, and after that was over, he was like, yo, I thank God you're getting out of here. Like, you're either going to die or you're going to end up in jail. Like, you need to get out of this city. And then that, so I think uh, Morehouse was August 26th. So that was August 25th. And, man, I ain't never looked back since, you know. Like you, what did you study at Morehouse? Uh, political science again, okay. right? You know, going into, I was involved in city government, and so I thought, I, my logic again, not knowing for real, for mm-hmm. real, not for real, like I genuinely didn't know um, that you don't need a political science degree to go into government. Number one, and actually, it doesn't even equate to the same thing. A political science degree is for law school, yeah. typically, right? Um, but in my mind, I was thinking government. Right, and so I chose political science. It was like it's what I what I kind of know um, for my my small experience thus far, and so um, yeah, I, I studied political science, and that was an uphill battle for sure. Definitely had some trials and tribulations in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we we completed that journey in uh, actually just past summer. So it you got your bachelor's this past I, I got my bachelor's this past wow. summer. Yeah, it took me six years to get that thing. Like I said. Uh, Trials and tribulations, uphill journey is a, uh, is sort of like the thing for my for my life. <laughs> so those those components you chose Morehouse for the, the integrity, mm-hmm. um, all the other values, so on. Did you feel like you got that out of being there around the culture and the you know people, professors, education? Mm. Do you feel like you got transformed in a way that, or you transformed, and it helped you become? this man you desired to be when you got there and left. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I credit that to process, right? I don't, I, I can't necessarily say it was entirely Morehouse more than it was the process at my time at the institution, as well as my time in that city. Right. Um, again, the, you know, struggles make a man, you know, and, uh, and a woman. Right. Uh, so, I can't. I was. I was. I was inspired by you know seeing all these these black men, um, you know, so knowledgeable. In addition to feeling so again, we go back to the lack of self worth, right? Feeling so insecure, right? Because here I am, twenty five years old, and you eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. You know, we had the same position. Right, so although I was, it was, it was a, there was a, a, a dual sense, right, where I was, I was empowered and still inferior, you know, at the same time throughout my whole trimester there, you know, my whole semester there, excuse me, term there rather, and so, uh, but yeah, the 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 professors was phenomenal, um, absolutely had a phenomenal professor, uh, Dr. Patterson, uh, was like an uncle, right, uh, you know, and he was. Showing heck of love, always and forever, um, transformative for sure. Again, people pulling me yeah, where I, I didn't think I needed to be. Yeah. Um, but I can't necessarily say, you know, intentionality is key. And I don't think a lot of places and people are intentional about one's development yeah. um, as as we probably should be. And so uh, that's that was my hopes of what I was getting out of Yale Academy. But again, I asked my 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 answer to that is that process I believe really aided in me becoming the man more so than it was that institution because again I was a transfer student so I wasn't even truly engulfed into the into the culture or you know you know that yeah the culture at all when I first went to to Atlanta I was living an hour and a half away um, because I was you know I'm like man I'm growing I'm not living in a dorm and so I never lived on campus. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, I was living in a city called Athens, which is actually the the town of UGA. So the Bulldogs, Georgia Bulldogs. I was living in a student a student apartment there, and I chose that. Again, first time college student, not really knowing too much, and again, you know, here to Rochester, you know, it's kind of easy. So I thought, again, an hour away, um, rent was three fifty five. That's why I chose that place. I'm like, oh, three fifty five. I can't beat that. So maybe I spend an extra hundred dollars a month in gas. Yeah. Absolutely not. I spent I spent the extra hundred dollars a, a a week in gas. Number one, um, but yeah, like I said, the process made me so. I, I'm up at six o'clock on the expressway trying to get to school, but it, I didn't have a laptop, 
So I'm spending literally every night in the library, not getting back home to 1 o'clock, making that drive. And that was my whole first semester until the tree fell on my car and I was homeless, all type of additional stuff. But, yeah, man, it's the process that makes a man more than it is anything else. So you're pursuing further education now? So, yes, I did get accepted into my master's program um, in education, secondary education at uh, Boston College. Or, yeah, Boston College, um, which was a blessing, right? Um I have a I have a passion for education to say the least, right? Um, and however, with that, um, I had an offer that I couldn't refuse, and so I was at a I was at a cross point. Um, do I continue this because with the which as an education major, you need to be at that that school um, to do your uh, I forgot what it's called, basically to, to teach. So I did my summer classes, but come fall, I would have had to be at Boston in order to uh, do my, you know, to teach whatever class I was going to teach. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't do it necessarily. So I, I discontinued that and um, to take this other opportunity that I, I, I've taken, um, which I don't I don't regret at all because, truthfully, the reason why I only – people keep saying my Ph.D., but the reason why I only went – or my EDD, rather, is, is a possibility. But the reason why I only went for my master's is because, again, goes back to that insecurity. I was insecure in my writing abilities. And so um, – if I wasn't as insecure, I probably wouldn't have went straight for my EDD, right? Because I'm passionate about education. I love education. Uh, but, yeah, everything happens for a reason. And I think that was that was purposeful as well, like, to affirm me. It affirmed that I, I am capable and I am worthy, for sure. Yeah. All right. So, Yale Academy. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. I need to know. <laughs> for sure. Um, My bad. Uh, Yale Academy, again, Youth Acquiring Leadership and Excellence, uh, started off as a a mentorship program that I implemented um, by by a mistake, kind of, right? Um, So I started volunteering in the schools. Again, Dr. Patterson, he took took me into this school called Best Academy, which is in Baykhead, uh, which, if individuals don't know, it's the worst— the worst demographics in the city, right, quote-unquote. And so I st- it was an all-boys school, 6 to 12, and I started volunteering there. And uh, however, the program that they initially had, Dr. Patterson and his colleagues, it was a little disorganized, right, and so for whatever reason, it didn't continue. However, at that point, I'm realizing I'm getting a high off of dealing with these youth, you know, coming and volunteering every couple of days. Yeah. And so um, I, I just kept going, and that was February and um, by by that June, I proposed the program to the to the to, to the doc, uh, Dr. Jones, the principal, and um, me. I went in there and you know I set him down. I'm like, hey, give me fifty thousand dollars right now for this program. He like, absolutely not. <laughs> so that was my proposal right after that. I'm thinking I got I got the sauce right here. This is about to transform youth lives everywhere. This is it. And uh, at this point, I know that was the furthest thing from the truth, <laughs> like compared to where I am now and, and the, what I have done created and with the assistance of others, um, that was truly nothing. <laughs> um, and so at the end of that meeting, I'm walking out with my head down and uh, Dr. Jones is like, all right, man, go um, stop, stop in administrative office and get your vendor's paperwork. I'm like, vendor's paperwork? What is that? He's like, we're going to pay you. I'm like, you going to pay me? He like, yeah, well, I'm going to give you $1,500 every semester. I'm like, oh, snap. All right, that's what's up, you know. Uh, so that was that was, that was was um, the beginning, the beginning to where we are. And so from that point, we grew um, to implement programming in Fulton County Juvenile Court. Um, and we've done phenomenal work, right? We done had a 44-day campaign where we received three tons of clothes. We had 20 states involved, 55 partners. Uh, we had Goodwill donating clothes every Monday. Office Depot uh, donated school supplies for 400 students. Uh, I had a colleague in Jamaica I had to go visit. And um, like I said, those three tons of clothes, we was able to ship over there to Jamaica. Um, and so much more, right? We do a, a, an annual renovation project. Our last, actually, prior to COVID was 2019, I want to say 2018, something like that, where we, it was an elected community member's house. Um and it was a 72-year-old man, the last one that we did. It was an A-block radius uh, cleanup 
did the whole house. I had uh, politicians involved, had um, uh, campus organizations involved, neighbors, churches. It was, you know, and we averaged about 150 volunteers, give or take, you know, for every every uh, every project, every time it was time, you know, um, and we finished that project in like six months. So that was awesome. Um, at this point, we had the opportunity to expand back home, which is what I was doing it all for, right? Uh, because if I can't help, you know, my own, like it defeats the purpose. Like, yeah, I, I, I love Atlanta. Yeah, I love the, the youth there. I love the South. Uh, but those are not my kids, right? Uh, we don't have the same plight. And to an extent, you can't understand mine and I can't understand yours, right? The ghettos is ghettos everywhere, but it's something about my ghetto, right? It's something about my neighborhood and my youth that I can understand. And so um, this past summer, we had the opportunity to implement our pro- our apprenticeship program. It's called STRAP, Skilled Trades Research Apprenticeship Program. Here this past summer, um, it was a, it's eight week eight week uh, curriculum, uh, and, and you know it's uh, ages uh, thirteen to twenty four. Um, we had the opportunity to partner up with Buffalo Urban League um, and become an Erie County work site, right? And um, at this point, we're in our second cohort of students. So we graduated that first cohort. We're in our second cohort, and we're enacting as a Live Well work site, which is a gun prevention program um, on the for. Buffalo Urban League as well. So we're making great strides. We're doing the best that we can, right? Individuals that's old enough, that's, uh, that's eligible, that's 18 plus, they get in place on job sites and skilled trades of their choice, right? Um, where students under the age of 18 are actually getting paid 17 20 an hour, right? So that's grand. So our students are, you know, pretty content. Love it. Love Thank it. you. Um, so what's the importance of bringing strep and Yale to the community here in Buffalo. And I think I would love to see it all over the country. Oh, you yes, know? sir. <laughs> so like, what, what is the importance of having those two things in place for our youth? I think that goes back to one of the first statements that I, I mentioned in reference, right? Attentionality, right? Because, number one, there I am, right? Like, you know, um, the youth, the demographics that we're aiming aim at, there I am, right? You are who I am, and I am who you are. And so, that means something to me, and I, I was talking to have a conversation with my father recently about it. And he was like, you know, I feel as though this is um, this is your healing, right? Like your organization is how you're you're being healed, um, by way of you know feeling as though whatever we couldn't necessarily do for you, right? You're doing for those kids, and um, and you know, I dropped a little tear, you know, because it was it was the truth, right? Because every time that I, I am in that space, excuse me, I am in that space, I do feel like my heart jumps. I do feel a sense of joy and, and passion. Although I kind of grew out of that role, right? We have phenomenal facilitators, and I grew up, I grew, I grew into a new role, you know, yeah. um, to make sure the organization expands and, and runs well. Uh, but when I do have the privilege to go back into and and and, and uh, implement in front of the kids. It's like, oh, man, you know, home away from home. And so, um, like I said, just being intentional about our youth development, that that's what's the most important about me, right? And so initially, again, if you heard, I, we started off as a mentorship program, and now we implement curriculum. And so we believe that the difference between the two is mentorship is kind of vague. It's kind of aloof, right, where it's just sort of a presence that one has in one life. Where a curriculum, you have, let's be very intentional about how we get from point A to point B. Our objectives are clear. The mission is clear, right? And and at the end of this program, you should be a better person because A, B, C, and D. Where mentorship doesn't necessarily provide that, right? So you give these kids a path. Yes, so sir. they can, you know, better mm-hmm. themselves improving. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so uh, my program director, he said something before. He was like, you know, uh, we're doing a great job with um, – with our, our little, so he's also the commissioner for the Little League football. He was like, we're doing a great job for the football team um, in the football league. However, the difference between what we're doing with Yale and the football league is that not every student that enter Little League will go pro, yet every student that enter Yale Academy will exit a better person, right? Yeah. And, you know, that was profound, and I'm glad he was able to, you know, bless me with that. All right. So you received some awards I think from Warehouse. Yeah, yeah. Your involvement with uh, Yale and Strat. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I have um, I have been blessed and honored to to receive Morehouse Man of the Year 2018. 
based off my my pathway and uh, my devotion to the community and the organization. Yeah, it was it was it was it's one of those, again right one of those things where it's like damn I didn't see that possible you know and because um, truthfully for me. Truthfully, for me, I don't feel as though I'm doing anything abnormal, right? I'm not really trying to too hard, right? I'm not yeah. doing nothing that's opposed my character. I'm not doing anything that conflicts uh, conflicts with who I desire to be. I'm just being myself, right? And it just, by way, you know, it impacts others, which is a great thing. Um, so it was, you know, when I when I was told I was going to be nominated for it, it was a shocker, right? Because you know, I didn't, again, I didn't see it coming, but being one of the older gentlemen on campus, having some life experiences, I was sort of that big brother. I had a hard time going to class because um, I love people so, so dearly. I genuinely love people. And so I'm sitting out there talking to all the young men, more than, well, you know, like they kids, but, you know, you know, if they have some issues, man, we, we sitting there for a long duration of time because you didn't come for me for no reason. So we generally just having a conversation. And I think that was probably... One of the things that sparked the interest for me becoming nominated, if I got to be honest, because I knew the campus fairly well because of my relationship with, you know, a lot of different people on campus, primarily just, you know, we need to listen to air. Like, man, I wish I had me and I don't want you to. Yeah. I know what that's like being 19, 18, 20 years old. And so, oh, you have you having real life problems, right? Let's let's talk about this. You know, let me be transparent about my story, who I am, my struggles, because you need not make these same decisions. Yeah. And so I, at times I was probably more transparent than I needed to be. Um, but uh, nonetheless, you know, one of one I, re, I remember very uh, specifically one young man, he told me he was like, you know, that's what make you honorable. Right. Because you're able to admit your flaws. Right. And, and I'm able to, you know, you able to be truthful and then enact on those changes. Right. Whereas like I'm not again, not trying to be nobody. Um, you know, I just want to love on the world. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to love and help how I can. And, and hopefully, you know, I get rich in the process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, two more points. So we, uh, you're here today. I am here today. And uh, you mentioned you had an accident earlier. Um, oh, yeah. So can you talk about that? Yeah, man. It was, um, and again, I, I want to appreciate you as um as well as your colleague for for permitting me the opportunity to speak on that um for praying over that right um because I needed it right so I typically get up on the average around five o'clock in the morning so I was on my way to the gym this morning on Elwood LA Fitness and um you know the the split where you keep going straight uh either going towards downtown or you you very right um to go to the 198 yeah so as I'm veering right, you know, to go, you know, make that turn, a van flies past me, had to be going like 90 to 100 miles per hour. And so initially my thought was, oh, this person is drunk. By this time, it's about 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning. You, you, what are you doing? You know, f- driving like you got to be drunk, right? And they unfortunately, they smack the wall, you know, and the car spins. And so now I'm sort of in disbelief that this is occurring, you know, um, and sort of like in shock. I was like, okay, do I keep going? You know, we're not going to keep going. So I pull over, I pull over, and um, a young man hops out the van. And so he hops out the van, and I'm thinking it, it was only him, right? Unbeknownst to me, upon impact, literally everybody flew out the van. I didn't know that yet, though. So he hops out the van, and I see him run to a body, and he shakes the body like, yo, he's crying like, oh, my God, da-da-da-da. And I'm like, oh, man, okay. So it's two of them, right? Like, damn, it was two people in the car. So now I'm starting to doubt. So now I'm, I sort of got a line behind me, but most people was able to move to the side of the road as well. So now I'm calling 911. And as I'm getting out the car, I see him shake another body, go to another body and shake another body. I'm like, what, it's three of them? You know, what's going on? What in the world? So now I'm on the phone with her, and and the lady like, what's going on? And I expressed what's going on. It was this horrible accident. As we're on the phone, he goes up and shakes two more bodies. So in total, that's five people, no no older than 17 years old. These are all kids, right? He had to be like 16, 17 years old. 
as he so it's five people in total four bodies all laid out and i'm like what and so now like my my calmness is sort of has you know heightened to an extent because now i can't believe it's four people on the ground right now what's going on so um he like, oh my God, man, I'm gonna kill myself. I can't believe my life is over. What in the world? Ah, oh, man, how did this happen? My sister, man. Uh, no, he was like my girlfriend. My girlfriend, man, that's my girlfriend. Da 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 da. I'm like, damn. So um, so the, this uh this woman gets from the car behind me. She's on the phone too. And he like, uh, can you check her post? I think she's alive. Can you check her post? And so um, he, she go check. She go check her. And she like, yeah, she like, yeah, it's light. It's a light post, but it's light. And he like, that's my brother. Can you check him? Can you check him? And I'm a little, still a little hesitant. And I don't really know what I'm doing for real. You know what I mean? So, but I go up to him and I, I try to feel on his neck. And he got, you know, you know, kids wearing masks nowadays. So he got his mask on. I'm trying to feel his neck. And um, again, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was, I was still in shock. And so I stopped and I asked the lady, I said, yo, can you check him? And um, she checks him, and she like, yeah, you know, I feel it like so little. His post is kind of weak, but he's still alive. So he like, oh, my brother's alive. So again, now at that point, I realize it's his girlfriend, it's his brother. Now we got two more bodies. I don't know who they are, right? And so I go up to the other body to like, okay, at this point, let me just check. The poor boy face is completely smashed in. I'm like, I'm not checking. Like it's, it's obviously unfortunate we lost him. Um, and then it was another girl. And uh, I walk up to her, man, and um, she, she, her, you know what I mean? Her limbs and everything was just like, you know, that thing was, that thing was hitting different. And um, it was just sad, man. It was just sad because like, that thing was sad. And um, so I, I get back in the car. Eventually the cop, you know, the co- emblems and everybody came and, um, and so I didn't realize I was really in shock uh, until I got in the car to drive off. And now I'm shaking, like, internally. It was, like, it's a feeling like I never felt before, you know. And um, so I called my mom, like, yo, like, she like, you need to come home. I'm like, man, what's going home going to do? You know, I'm going to just keep going to the gym. Of course, I couldn't function, so I go to the gym. I'm sitting in a sauna for, like, 20 minutes. Ironically, a friend texts me, so, you know, we talk about it. And, um, you know, again, it was... It was just sad, and I'm very reflective and, 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 you know, try to, like I talked about earlier, just try to pay attention to the lessons, right? Be, go ahead. Maybe uh, if you need a minute. Oh, okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but just try to pay attention to lessons, right? And, um, like, how does that apply to me? Like, why, why number one, but also how or why am I, why am, was I at this pace at this time, right? And so... We end up like massaging some thoughts out and some theories of like how this could be applicable and like why did you know how does this resonate with us and um and one of the things that I necessarily won't forget when I think about like God you know covering me like I done did a lot of things like I done did a lot of things that I'll probably take to the grave with me type things you know what I'm saying I'd been been in some spaces in which. Like, God, you know what I'm saying, had his hands on me. And so in that particular circumstance, she said to me this morning, she was like, you know, it's crazy because we all been there, you know what I'm saying, to a certain extent. What she meant was, like, whether it's been joyriding or whatever the case may be. And I was saying on time, I was like, yo, that's true. Like, I remember being 18, still in my mom's van. I remember a specific night I stole my mom's van, and me and my friends, it had to be like a four of us. It was, It was four of us. I'm driving down, you know, the 33 or whatever like that, and I'm swerving. We laughing. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. We swear. I'm swerving, you know, speeding, swerving, thinking it's a joke. A friend of mine, Jasmine, man, shout out Jazz. We done joked about it recently, but it's not even, like, it's not funny, right? Like, Jasmine is hanging out the van. Like, Jazz, I don't even remember how she even got out the van. I don't even know how the door was open. But the door was open and Jasmine is hanging out the van and I'm swerving like like it's a joke. Eventually, she got back in the van, you know, and. um, But again, right, like there go I talking about coverage and blessings. Right. It's like it's sad because like they didn't make it. And, you know, what I'm saying for me it was like. 
why have God kept protecting me so long? And and for me, it was sort of like confirmation because periodically, right, like old habits die higher. And so it was like, you know, sometimes you want a cheap process and I still have trouble, you know what I'm saying, not dibbling and dabbling at certain points in my life. And it was like, nah, dog, like today was like, you're tripping, like. You need to stand firm in your in your process, stand firm in your purpose, because God has protected you for whatever reason, and it's greater than yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's greater than myself, man. Me and my, my mom were just talking about it today. My first semester, I came home from uh, Morehouse. Uh, I, you know, f- family is family, and I got a family full of women. And um, unfortunately, my nieces, dads, they, they no longer with us. And... Um, you know, I'm getting calls while I'm while I'm going to Atlanta. Such and such keep putting their hands on such and such, right? And so I get I get home like my second semester, and um, I'm like, yo, stop stop calling me about this. Let's go pull up. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm again, I'm 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 the uncle, I'm the brother, I'm the father. Like we're not gonna keep doing this. We pulling up, so we pull up on Goodyear, and um, such and such is is think he happy to see me. Like, oh, bro, you in town? What's happening? I'm like, no, you gotta shoot this one. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta shoot this fair. You owe me one. Like, you ain't gonna keep putting your hands on my knees. He like, oh, wait a minute, what? So now he back up. He pull out his pistol. Now we on Goodyear, right? So literally, it had to be like six guns. No, eventually, all pointed at us, right? And so situations like that constantly, you know, like constantly. Then then, you know. Rifles got pulled out of different trunks, and it was just, you know what I'm saying, situations constantly in my life in which, you know, uh, like, damn, dog, like, you know what I'm saying, like, the protection is an all-time high, that whole thing for me, <clears throat> like, no weapon formed against me should prosper was real, was real today, you know what I'm saying, because, like I said, if I was going five to ten miles more, that car would have hit me, you know what I'm saying, and for whatever reason, it didn't. And truth be told, I haven't been to the gym at that time once since I've been home this week. And I usually go, but I haven't been once until today. And I don't know why I went this morning, right? I go to the gym every day, but I ain't been out there at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know what I'm saying, uh, this whole time. And um, I was like, why? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the odds? Like, what was the message? So... And I haven't really spoke on it for real, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, yo, I was feeling sick all day. You know, still got to continue work, like work is regular. I was feeling sick all day. I was feeling down. My stomach was hurting, you know what I mean? I couldn't really do too much. And um, I'm like, all right, I got this. I got this interview. Let me let me get myself together, you know, pick it up. Um, and then, you know, my programming starts right now. So after this, I'll be going to the program and trying to maintain composure. You know what I'm saying? Maintain composure when I'm really like, shit was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Them just kids, dog. So, <clears throat> so I appreciate y'all for um, definitely praying with me. You know what I'm saying? At the start of this because uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't even, you know what I'm saying, in space for it. All right. Um, uh, what's next? What's next for you? Just in general, future. Mm-hmm. Like, What's next for your moves? Yeah. If I tell you, I have to kill you. No, I stop playing. <laughs> I'm kidding. I think no. Nah, um, <laughs> no, nah, I definitely got some. Um, definitely have some ideas in store for sure. But you know, some things you don't speak on, um, you act on. Um, a young man I know named Jamel. He taught me that. Man, that man always moving. He don't say nothing. He just be moving. That's you know. He got a production studio. You know what I'm saying? Like so. Um, some phenomenal people in my life, man. I just watched them. They just hit the moves, and so. That's where I, that's where I'm you know growing into today, and so I, I there is the the question is is there plans? Absolutely. Um, I've been affiliated with politics for roughly ten years now. You know what I'm saying? So uh, strategy is definitely key, and uh, you know, but in, you know, with strategy is accompanied by silence to a certain extent. So um, what's next for my organization? Uh, constantly growing. You know, I really want to. Stabilize it, stabilize it here in the city, um, and really impact home as much as possible um, because our kids need it. You know what I'm saying? Our kids need it. I needed it, um, and I know many more to come behind us is going to need it. And so, uh, the goal for Yale Academy is to is to be as paramount and long term as 
different staples in our community, such as, you know, uh, Ken and Bailey, right? Like you say, Ken and Bailey Center, you know what that is. The Delavan and Grider Center, you know what it is, right? The goal is for Yellow Academy to be a, such a staple that 10, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you know, people, you know, mention Yellow Academy, oh, you know what that is. You know where it's at, right? Not just it's programming, but you know the resource center and, and, and you know, where it's at. And so that's the long-term goal for my organization, man. All right, you got any um, any way people can reach Yale Academy, get involved, put youth in, and um, some social medias to follow Youth of Academy or yourself? Absolutely. So um, you go to www.yaleacademyinc.org is our website. Uh, our Instagram is uh, Yale, Y-A, or excuse me, uh, Y.A.L.E. Uh, Academy. Um, our Facebook is Yale Academy, right? And so we everywhere, we're on every platform. We on, excuse me, we on LinkedIn as well, uh, Yale Academy. And uh, how you enroll is on the website for sure. Uh, my email address is L as in Lee Anthony, first initial, Freeman at yellowacademyinc.org. Uh, my Instagram, you know, is, uh, excuse me, Facebook is, is Lee Anthony Freeman. So, same thing with the Instagram. So if you want to reach out to me personally, uh, you know, never be hesitant because, again, I, I genuinely love people. Uh, I love conversation. Um, unless you deem me something weird, that's a dub. I probably won't respond to that. But uh, other than that, man, you know, um, I'm very – I'm becoming more humble. It's about to sound very humble. Ah, you know, yeah. I could be more humble. I could definitely be more humble. But um, nonetheless, when it comes to people, for sure, I'm humble where, you know, we have conversation all the time. So, yes, yeah, sir. I, I appreciate your story, and um, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for watching this episode. Thank you for having me, good brother. Yeah.